Hello, I'm Zach. And I'm Andrew. We welcome you to the study pipe and invite you to delve into our conversations about cinema and tune into a wide range of intellectually stimulating topics. So sit back, light up your metaphorical study pipe, and let's dive into today's conversation. All right. So what do we have on the study pipe agenda today, Zach? We're talking sci-fi, baby. And (laughs) specifically, science fiction films that have had a knack for predicting the future. And really, I think going over some films, you know, past films in the distant past, if you will, that have done a decent job of actually predicting technology we use today, but also kind of covering, I guess, you know, if, if past sci-fi films have predicted fairly well the technology we're using currently, what does that mean about some of the recent sci-fi films, or maybe even past ones too, but, you know, what, what's the current state of play with technology? What can we expect, and how real are some of these crazy ideas that are kind of thrown out there? And maybe they're not crazy because they are becoming more real. All right. Oh, all right. So I'm excited. Now, this is this is a list that was curated by you, and you know we went over it in our in our pre-production, and so a lot of this I'm going to be kind of learning along with the viewer. This is a, this is research by one Mister Zachary Branham. My first that's thought, true, that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my first thought is that you must be talking. That's my about... government name. Man. Don't give that out. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. My first thought is we got to be talking about. You, when you talk about future predictions can be true, it has to be back to the future too, right? Instant food, flying cars. We have all those things now. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Sure. Still in no. our dreams. <laughs> yeah. Instant no, food. Microwave counts. I guess it depends on how instant, right? That movie was like, they just put like a little thing in there and it just popped up into. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, 60 seconds and under is impressive. <laughs> If you're microwaving for three to five minutes, eh. Three to five minutes, what is this? That's like 1985 stuff right there. That's what I'm saying, man. (laughs) I need a burger ready in 20 seconds flat (laughs) to be impressed. (laughs) That's why you go to McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And they're up a McDonald's. They are going to, I guess, change up the recipe of their burgers. I don't know if people heard about that. It's supposed to be more cheesy and savory, but I digress. <laughs> They're reviving the hamburger, aren't they? Yeah, he's coming back. <laughs> so good, he's out on the scene like a raccoon bandit, stealing them. You know, so are, they, are they saying he's been retired for fifteen years because their hamburgers were shit? <laughs> Probably. That's that's how I take what it. What is this? What is this? For fifteen years, I've begrudgingly shown up, hammered, asking for quarter pounders. <laughs> When I can't get my in and out, so yeah, I won't even yeah. steal this. <laughs> yeah, bush <laughs> This is not worth <laughs> the felony burglary charge. Yeah. Hamburglar, though, yeah, he's back on the scene, man, and he's <laughs> like the '80s version too. I don't know. It's old school. <laughs> yeah, represent, baby. <laughs> so yeah, not Back to the Future Two. More. Wh- where are we starting? Kubrick's two thousand one. Yeah, yeah, I guess uh, 
you know, that's a, uh, that sounds great to me. I mean, I was just looking over your notes really briefly. There's a lot of things that just really caught my eye. The things I, I didn't realize that were even in some of these movies that I loved at the time. Like, it just didn't click in my head. Maybe because when I first watched them, the technology didn't exist yet. Yeah, could be. Or some of them maybe you take for granted now. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Yeah, when you go back and you rewatch them in your uh, golden years as a 30-something-year-old <laughs> man, you know, you go, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Video calls, who cares? Tablets, FaceTime, tablets, <laughs> who cares? I wasn't alive in 68, which is when 2001 dropped, and uh, Kubrick, one of my favorite directors, we will do an episode on our favorite directors. So, you know, Kubrick is probably on both of our lists, right? Oh, yeah. Top five. Easy, Easy top Easy. five. So, um, you know, which is kind of crazy. So, you know, Kubrick dropped 2001, A Space Odyssey in 1968. And there's all kinds of, you know, Arthur C. Clarke did the book. So you can't, I guess you can't, you know, just give Kubrick the credit. You have to pay some respect but, to Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah, but they did it together, right? I think they... Yeah, it was like it. dual process, I thought. Yeah. Like the book and the film were developed in parallel, right? Which I, I would love to know how often that happened before then. Or if that was uh, like one of the first times that that was attempted to be accomplished. Because that sounds really impressive. Yeah, I don't know. I That would be actually a really good topic for a future episode. Like how many books? Well, shit. I mean, you have The Lost World, which kind of uh michael creighton right he was kind of pressured into writing the sequel to jurassic park because the the movie had done so well um you know with spielberg so you know he, he wrote that book <laughs> and, wrote <laughs> yeah and, and the lost world movie you know i love jeff goldblum but the movie wasn't that good in my opinion he, you know, he died three was book, worse right? <laughs> what's that didn't he die in the book? It's been a long time since I read that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, there were a lot of differences in the first book, um, you know, from the book to the movie. A lot of the stuff that actually happened in the first Jurassic Park movie, they salvaged or in the book, sorry, they salvaged and they put in the third Jurassic Park movie. So, you know, it's really interesting. I, I've read the book. I don't know if you've read the book, but oh, yeah, they back really went back to the well to like, exploit tax as much as they milk it, you know, and you know, that, that was Jurassic park three, which I thought was the worst entry. Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd go Jurassic park last world then you know, the third one. So. Yeah. And, and lost world. I know it got panned by the critics, but I really liked that movie as a kid. Yeah. I mean, it was fun. I think I'd agree with that as a kid, but coming back to it kind of as an adult <laughs> and reading the book itself, um, yeah, you know, it's just kind of like, uh, what a shame. But to to your your question, your point, I think it would be interesting to talk about, you know, what films, movies have been really developed in parallel or, or close together like that. Because 2001 A Space Odyssey obviously is a classic. It covers a lot of good stuff. I mean, it's trippy. The end is super awesome. But it features a lot of technology that we use today and you know the big one tablet computers you know they they they're using tablets throughout the film 
um, everyone takes for granted iPads, maybe, maybe people aren't paying enough respect to the iPad. I love my <laughs> iPad pro. I use it for all kinds of good things. You do. You never, you never, uh, miss a moment to, to be a, you know, a zealot for the iPad pro. You always, That's uh, true. Just it. an Apple <laughs> fanboy in general. You know, is that what Steve Jobs did? He got high on mescaline or something and watched 2001 A Space like, Odyssey. We need tablets. We need tablets. <laughs> we need FaceTime, video calls. Yeah. Then he watched Total Recall and was like, we're doing the Apple car, but I won't be around for it. So now they're doing, <laughs> yeah. you know, Project Titan or whatever. But um, no, man, I mean, 68, bro, this is before the moon landings. This is before... Apollo and its full strength at NASA, and it was so accurate. We might so even accurate. have uh, some some listeners that say that uh, the moon landing was in conjunction with this movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe you know they did the book, they did the film, and they did some geopolitical, you know, projection of United States power across the globe to defeat communism. You know what a trifecta of <laughs> pop culture production god damn oh yeah respect I mean, <laughs> joking aside that's a testament to the special effects of the movie at the time that people were so just blown away by this film that they're like oh kubrick obviously filmed the space landing <laughs> yeah they're like they hired that guy <laughs> yeah. and they gave him the the director's guild of america minimum wage to do it too <laughs> <laughs> it was eight dollars and a ham sandwich yeah <laughs> Tuna, tuna club, baby. With <laughs> yeah, some respect. Old, old tuna's been out since two o'clock. Craft services represent. <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. I, you know, 2001 is obviously the first two thirds of the film, I think, is really grounded in like actual realistic. I have an aerospace engineering background, so let me toot that horn a little bit. <laughs> it is, uh, it is grounded in. Um, reality to, you know, a large extent with what you're seeing, spaceship design, all that kind of stuff, the technology, you know, the end of it, when there's contact and all that, it gets trippy and crazy, but I, you know, 10 out of 10 for, for being accurate, for being bold. You know, I remember when I was a kid watching that movie before video phone calls and all that, you know, FaceTime, all these things, Skype. Yeah. And I remember watching it. And asking my dad, you know, I was probably 10 years old and I said, are we going to have phones where you can see each other? Like, are, are we going to have the ability to call one another and see the other person? And he said, oh yeah, it's coming. It's coming. And I, th I remember, I thought that idea was so crazy. It was so crazy to think you could pick up the phone and see the other person on the other side. And now, you know, these Gen Zers and all these people tick tock in and take it for granted. So 68, you know, I obviously I didn't grow up when, when, uh, 2001 was released. So it, it took some time to get to that point, but yeah, man, it's wild. It's wild too, to go back and watch the movie. Cause you can tell, you know, obviously they pre-recorded both of the conversations, right. When he's on the spaceship and he's talking down to, to that lady, Maybe it's his family and they show the, the, the daughter. I can't remember who it is, but um, it's just wild. It's wild to think about that that was not commonplace. And now, you know, people are ignoring each other's FaceTimes left and right now. No <laughs> yeah, respect. Yeah, you see, you see video interviews with uh, 
you know, astronauts up on the space station all the time. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like live interview on the ISS, the international space station. And yeah, it's, it's common today. All right. So, so maybe we should go over the things like, let's just give a little roundup for the things that 2001 got right. All right. So I'll lead that one. <laughs> so we got tablet computers, which you already mentioned, video calls. And then we also got the, uh, I think, which is like the big one, the big topic that everyone's talking about, right? Which is the kind of like the AI voice assistant, right? With how. Oh, God, how could we forget or how could I forget <laughs> how I'm harping on Apple, Steve Jobs, tablets, <laughs> FaceTime. Hal 9000, Daisy, <laughs> Daisy, yes, man. Chat GPT is about to take my job and make me work for it. About to take all of our jobs. I don't even yeah. know what it would want us to work on. <laughs> Nothing. Just wants us out of the picture. Sit there. <laughs> <laughs> Sit there and watch. Here's some AI-generated content for you. Yeah, but Hal 9000, man, yeah. Um, what a, such an awesome villain, you know? So, you know, helpful in the beginning of the film and, and is just there and then becomes so sinister, but in a way that is, you know, it's slow building. And then, yeah, I mean, the end, you know, Daisy, Daisy, as he's being shut down because of, what oh, yeah. is it? I mean, it's like a programming error, right? He's become unhinged, unlocked, unrestrained. I don't, it's, it's, uh, it's something that they talk about a lot in, you know, these AI conferences that they have where people will talk about how when you're training AI, right? Because that's how AI works. You give it a bunch of information and you're training it for certain objectives to be able to answer, answer questions, be able to predict what's next in text, things like that, right? And so, Hal's objective, as we all like, you know, if you don't remember from 2001 Space Odyssey, is he has to ensure the su success of the mission above all else. And Hal just, you know, all of a sudden realizes, like, yo, these humans are going to fuck this up. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe the, the success of the mission to him meant to kill them all off. So that way he can just go and take care of it. Yeah. And I, I think that kind of really harps on all of the buzz around chat GPT right now and Elon Musk and all these people who wrote this letter, Steve Wozniak, former Apple co-founder with jobs. You know, these people wrote a letter saying stop AI development for six months, right? Until we can kind of step back, assess and get our arms and hands around the issue of AI and the dangers it may pose. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, Hal, his, he was driven by the fulfillment of his primary mission directive, right? Yeah. He was there trying to do what he thought was, you know, right, what he was programmed to do. And, and if you don't have guardrails on your AI system and you aren't thinking about these things, it can go kind of, crazy really fast i mean he he was killing people on board the spaceship yeah it really that's i think that's what this movie gets right at least about the fears we have about ai now which is 
we can train it to do something that we want it to do, but that doesn't mean we know how it's going to get to that solution. And so like in, like in 2001, how was there for the success of the mission? We might think that involved making it a successful mission for the humans on board, but how was it trained in that way? So the humans became an unknown variable where it was just easier to get them out of the way. Well, yeah. And I mean, to kind of build or piggyback on that, what is interesting is, you know, in 2001, Hal is programmed with a secret purpose that he doesn't, he, he's not allowed to tell the actual crew. And I think that's kind of the the critical flaw, right? Is that because he can't tell the crew why he's really doing or what they're really doing, the purpose of their mission, they think he is wonky, that his programming is going bad, that there's something wrong with them, which then leads him, Hal, or the, the AI, you know, I'll refer to him as a him, you know, smart enough, damn it. I respect you, <laughs> Hal, and any future AI who may be listening to this, do not, you know, <laughs> Roko's Basilisk me. Um, he took that as a threat, you know, as soon as they, he's thinking, okay, I can't reveal the true purpose of the mission until we get there. And now my responses are kind of wacky and they're, 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 they're suspecting something's off. They may disconnect me because they think I'm not working properly, but really I'm just not able to tell them why we're here. Well, his primary purpose, which is to ensure the successful you know, outcome of the mission overrides all of that, which then leads into him deciding, let me kill these humans. So you can see how quickly the programming and the competing objectives can turn into a very bad situation for humanity. Yeah, definitely. That's the, it's a symphony of unintended consequences. The worst case possible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So hopefully ChatGPT does not become self-aware and, um, you know, takes over the world. We'll see. But I, I mean, AI in general, I think, is kind of layered or sprinkled within some of these movies we're going to touch on in general, though, too. Right? Exactly. It's been something that's been kind of in the, the zeitgeist for a while now. And, it, you know, a lot of anxiety around it. And maybe rightfully so, maybe wrong. Maybe it's wrong to be so anxious about it. We don't know yet. And that, but what's great about movies is that we can we can visualize a potential future for how these happen. And that's what I love about your list is it kind of shows us that movies do have, you know, they have kind of been a barometer of truth for what might come from the future with technology. And maybe it was easier to predict what the future would bring back then. But my instinct is that it doesn't, that, you know, the, the imagination of future technology is kind of what leads to the future technology, not to kind of get too ambiguous there. So I, I think there's a lot to learn from these movies. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot. I think when the appeal of sci-fi film to me, you know, growing up being an engineer, you know, getting caught up in, you know, my heroes were astronauts, you know, the space race, all these things. The appeal for sci-fi has always been, you know, maybe this is a promise for tomorrow. You know, let's harp on like Disney's Tomorrowland, you know, Walt Disney and Disneyland and, you know, Disney World and this idea of, you know, what does tomorrow present? 
you know, what, what is out there in our future to get us excited about. So sci-fi has always been, you know, an interesting genre to go and, you know, sit in a theater, let it blast you in the face and, you know, melt your brain a little bit and sit there and think about, you know, what is coming down the pipeline or, or what technology or futures exist or could exist that really challenge society and what it means to be a human being, you know? Yeah, well said. So 2001, I think, did a great job. Um, Total Recall is another one here on on the list. You know, the self-driving cars, um, I don't know. I mean, I give it a 5 out of 10. I have a Tesla myself, but that thing can't really drive itself off the freeway. And, <laughs> and I'm not impressed. <laughs> I'm not impressed. I don't know that self-driving cars actually will be cracked anytime soon. I think it's an incredibly complex problem that uh, I think we need more sophisticated technology and tools to crack that uh, yeah, egg, yeah. if you will. You know, just uh, just listening to, like, for example, uh, the recent Hard Fork episode on uh, self-driving cars where they're interviewing the crew CEO. You know, they're, they're talking about how five years ago, Uber and all these companies were investing heavily into self-driving cars, self-driving taxis. And it sounds like the problem is that it's easy to predict 99% of the situations. And so you can put these investors in a, in a car and take them around a really safe, well-known part of town and get everyone hyped up and investing. But then it's those 1% edge cases, you know, like what happens if, you know, for example, a problem that they're having with their, with their self-driving cars is that people jump out in front of the cars to see if it'll stop. Like they literally put their lives at risk by just jumping out in front of the car. <laughs> like, how do you predict for that kind of stuff? Well, you know, something interesting about the whole self-driving, um, you know, topic of total recall. We, we have a listener, Patrick, shout out to Patrick. Hey, Patrick. He suggested we throw in a fun fact. And so the fun fact for total recall and self-driving cars, apparently Arnold Schwarzenegger kept the prop of the cab driver. So, you know, the cab driver, Johnny cab is a robot who's driving the car. You know, he picks him up and all that. He kept it in his office for a bunch of years. He had it as like a memento, you know? <laughs> and, cool. um, yeah, I mean, people would come into his office and they'd be like, Oh my God, you have this life-sized robot cab driver <laughs> sitting there. And, um, Arnold was like, yeah, this is my cabbie, Johnny Cab. What's up? So I didn't know that. I didn't know that until we started, you know, getting prepped for this uh, episode. We're looking into these things. But fun fact, Johnny Cab got taken home to the uh, governor's office. So there you go, Patrick. Yep. That is our fun fact of the episode. We will be having a fun fact every episode going forward. Eh, I'm not going to commit to that, but we're I will aspire ten, to commit to that. We're going to have 10 fun facts every episode. <laughs> I can commit commit to that, I think. <laughs> All right. So Total Recall kind of got self-driving cars right, kind of. You, you have Tesla, obviously, with quote-unquote full self-driving cars. You have Google with Waymo. Uber has vehicles deployed throughout Phoenix, Arizona. 
uh, maybe a couple other places in the country. Lots of investment. People want to crack it. Um, lots of potential too. I mean, if you had self-driving cars, you have threats to airline companies, you know, instead of taking a trip between Phoenix and LA on a flight, maybe you just jump in your car, you sleep overnight and you drive the five and a half hours. So total, you know, total, lots of potential ramifications and, and all that. Um, I think, you know, moving into a, another area that is interesting, at least to me, you know, we're talking chat GPT, artificial intelligence, you know, that kind of thing is virtual reality. You know, we have the Oculus, obviously meta now Facebook's rebranding into meta as, um, you know, this leader in virtual reality, but you know, the matrix is the film that really, I think, you know, 1999, it, it put it out there. Are we living in a simulation? And Elon Musk thinks we are half the time, I think. Um, but, you know, that's another one that is fairly accurate. The Matrix came out 20, almost 25 years ago. And now we have these headsets that we use. You, you got PlayStation, virtual reality. So you have games, like I said, the Oculus. You have Apple and Google developing headsets, you know, I, I'm reading things that are saying headsets are actually the future mobile phone. You will not have a mobile phone anymore. You will have, you know, a set of glasses that are augmented, augmented reality, you know, overlaying the real world with everything you need to communicate, do your emails, talk to people, all of that. Yeah, that's that's everything I'm hearing too. I mean, you can just look at the number of employees at places like Meta and Apple have dedicated to VR. Uh, last count, Meta has 17,000 people, about 20% of their company, working at Reality Labs. Um, Apple has 3,000, which is also about 20% of their staff working towards their, their augmented reality headset. So there's a lot of money being thrown at this project. I mean, between those two, uh, if you're talking, you know, the 20,000 people, that's one fifth of the Manhattan project as far as manpower out of problem. And that'll get a lot of things done. Yeah. Yeah, it will. I mean, I, I think I've seen recently that Meta is burning billions of dollars in virtual reality. You yeah, know, they're they, spending money on this. Yeah, they took a $13.7 billion loss last year. Damn. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're a, a company worth hundreds of billions of dollars and you're trying to corner, I guess, a future market, and they're they're seeing dollar signs in the future. I mean, how long did Amazon operate at a loss before they started turning a profit? It was years. So, I mean, maybe uh, you know the problem right now is that there's a there's a stigma around VR still, but we're seeing that go away. Yeah, I think that's true. I, you know, VR excites me a lot and I really hope people stick with it or, or, you know, vote with their dollar to, uh, enable further development in that space. I, I remember when PlayStation VR came out five years ago or whatever it was, and I waited in line all day long at, at a local GameStop, you know, um, and, you know, got it and, and put it on and I was blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible to play video games like this and 
it would just be so awesome to take that technology and use it for learning, for development, you know, even augmented applications. So, oh yeah, you know, imagine, I think I was gonna say, imagine you're just uh, your your pipe breaks, right? And you put on a headset and you're you're looking at your pipe, and then a, a virtual plumber comes and shows up, and he's pointing at where you need to to turn your wrench and where you put the pipe. Yeah, I mean, imagine if you took that technology and you merged it with a chat GPT-like service where it is giving you like lessons in how to address the situation you're doing and it, it's able to inform this virtual program that can show you exactly what to do. Now you displace the need for, I mean, for really severe projects, of course, you'll have to have people, but imagine, you know, common problems, issues that are going on you no longer have to, you know, bring someone out. You can see it. Someone can walk you through step by step. You tell it, Hey, here's my issue. And it, you know, through the artificial intelligence programming and the virtual reality headset propagates a real instructor showing you step by step how to solve the problem you're looking at. That is, that'd be insane. That'd be incredible. Oh yeah. Just imagine like a, in a third world country, in rural areas where you have, you know, maybe trained medical people that aren't fully trained on all different types of issues where they can just put on a headset that's trained for this and they can perform complex medical procedures. Yeah. I mean, that would be awesome. You lower the barrier to entry for this. I mean, it's no longer esoteric knowledge. It is information that you, you democratize it. You enable everyone to become, proficient to some degree, you know, I mean, it, it's a evolution across the board, the baseline ability of society increases, you know, some degree, some percentage, and then overall we all benefit from it. So the potential, I mean, it's there, it's crazy to think about. You already have programs and services that can sit here and edit videos and create, you know, fake movie trailers based <laughs> yeah. off an idea why not take it a step further and think that you put on a headset and an AI is developing or projecting a simulated, you know, instructor that can teach you a thing or two about a thing or two. Oh yeah. That, that's definitely where Facebook is putting their money into. They're, they're looking at the business, the business market. And if they crack that, they, I mean, that's, that's like economical, like, <laughs> We're talking about systems of economics being impacted, like the entire economic model of not just the United States, the world. You are, I mean, you're destroying tons of jobs, but you're creating so much efficiency. I mean, you become so efficient that people are freed up to allocate their time and energy on other problems. It'd be profound. I I mean, I would argue it'd be profound. Oh, I think no question. Just uh, the Think about schooling, you know, just oh, schooling, getting an education. The the ability to live in a situation that you're learning, you know, you're not learning about the Declaration of Independence. You're you're in the room as they're arguing it. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God! Wouldn't that be? Inc- I was just <laughs> about to say when you said Declaration of Independence. Imagine being in a simulated room, a virtual room of the founding fathers. And AI has done its best to like read through 40,000 pages of Alexander Hamilton and George Washington, all these, you know, thinkers at the time. 
and they give you, you know, disclaimer, this could be factually inaccurate, but you know, they give you <laughs> this, you know, play of the founding fathers arguing and like teaching you, you get to watch it. It's, it's almost as if you're at, at, going to watch a play or and be educated. You, you can walk up to them and talk to them and ask them questions. Oh my God. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> that, that give me of, Abe Lincoln. You know, let, <laughs> yeah. me talk to Abe, let me talk to that guy. Yeah, I'll be the first person to buy the game where it's like, have a beer with Abe Lincoln. Oh, man, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> you just but uh, I don't want to have a beer with John Wilkes Booth, so <laughs> someone <laughs> yeah. may make that game. Who knows? I, I like the back of my head. <laughs> no. Um, okay, well, I mean, yeah, AI, self-driving cars, virtual reality. So um, how do you think that's going to impact movies, the VR? Do you think... You think that's going to change the way we tell stories? Definitely. Definitely. I think if you can get to a point where the average audience member in America or maybe even worldwide, but you know, you get to a point where the average person no longer is tied to movie stars, like movie stars lose their, which is starting to happen now with like the MCU and Marvel and these big picture machine films that are, you know, going through the machine of Hollywood and coming out, you're starting to have, you know, the age of the, the movie star, I think is waning. It's starting to, you know, the, the last great movie star right now that I really think exists is DiCaprio is and, Leo, you know, maybe Brad Pitt and all this, Tom, but Tom Cruise. Oh, Tom Cruise. Yeah. I mean, Maverick, Top Gun, respect, San Diego, baby, shout out. Great, <laughs> great movie. But I, I, you know, Tom Cruise is what, 59, 64? He's, he's, uh, he's getting up there. Brad Pitt's getting to his 60s. Leo is not as old, but he's, he's you don't have these 20-year-old movie stars that are like the Brad Pitt of their age or the DiCaprio or the... De Niro. No, no, it's a, it's a, it's more franchise based now. Yeah. And, and I think what, like, you know, because it's franchise based, if you're moving away from the age of the movie star, then I would argue it doesn't matter who's in your movies. What matters is the story and the content of, of the film itself. And if you get to a paradigm that looks like that, then I would argue, well, does it matter if they're CGI? Does it matter if they're virtually constructed? Does it matter if it's actually person speaking or AI software emulating the voice and the behavior and the movement? So I think if you can separate the personal connection of a movie star from audiences, which is starting to happen, then it's only logical to assume there would be a future where, you know, movies are like Pixar films, hyper-realistic Pixar films, but the people starring in them don't actually exist. They're yeah. sophisticated, advanced software telling the stories. And maybe even it, telling though. and acting better than any of the humans could have done in the first place. Oh, and then it doesn't have to be a linear story either. You can, you can almost imagine a world dead where you're, you're traveling through this setting and there's a bunch of stories happening at once and you can choose what stories to follow or stop following and walk towards another story and intercept. Oh yeah. Them. You know, that's called choose your own, your oh. own adventure, baby. They have a, uh, the books, right? I mean, tons of books, choose your own adventure. That would be awesome if they turn that into 
you know, a film or like a virtual reality film that you interact with, choose your own adventure. You're going through, make it horror, make it sci-fi, whatever. And you can sit there all day long, like a really sophisticated video game and get after it. That would be awesome. I would love that. <laughs> I'd be totally into that. Someone should make a movie about that. Yeah, they should. <laughs> we should make a movie. <laughs> we should. It just gets a little too real. <laughs> right? So, okay. We're, we've talked about some films that have been made, you know, older films, somewhat recent films, and they've predicted somewhat successfully current technology. What about films that have come out kind of recent that are touching on some of these cutting edge ideas in sci-fi and, and technology. Yes. I think you're referring probably to like the film, her from uh, spike Jones, right? In 2013. Oh yeah. Spike Jones, baby represent. <laughs> oh man. That that's a, uh, that movie. I've been thinking a lot about that movie lately, especially with chat GPT coming out. And I just been thinking about, how our social lives are going to change because I imagine that's going to be the first real big shoe to drop where we have dramatic change, which is I can imagine in five years where we might have like an AI assistant or like an AI best friend, or maybe younger generations will be more comfortable with that. You know, for people that are throwing up in their mouth, listening to this as I say that. <laughs> yeah. Right. This is but, Lars and uh, the real girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but just as you have these things as they grow, people are going to make it so that they're fully conversationalist. They are trained to, to know the history of your entire conversations with them. You can talk to them. They'll be able to answer back to you in a way that's relevant to your life, just like the film, her. And, you know, I can imagine people having romantic relationships with AI in the next five years, just like that film. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. I think, you know, Microsoft Copilot is coming to Microsoft Office suite of products. It's supposed to help you draft emails and write documents and all kinds of stuff. It's your little buddy. It's your copilot. You take that from a professional business space and you apply that to your real, you know, life outside of work and you quickly have something that you know, represents or appears to be a friend within your network of, of people you interact with, you know, on the daily. And it becomes a, a slippery slope. You know, if you have something that is, is I mean, on a surface level is, is intelligent, can keep up, have, a, you know, conversation with you, it's conversational you can quickly become attached to that. That could be a, a best friend. I mean, like you said, you know, like in her, it could be a romantic interest. Um, very quickly, you could develop feelings for someone who's nurturing you and listening to you and making you feel heard and seen. And, you know, I think the idea is, um, it's interesting. I think it, you know, you talk about mental health, you talk about things like, like that and, you know, needing a therapist or, needing someone to, to rely on when, when you feel lonely. And, um, I think, you know, I read something recently that, you know, loneliness and, and being, 
you know, feeling isolated is as bad as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And what excites me about this technology, this AI, and this example of, you know, the movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson is, you know, these people who are lonely or sad, if, if they're able to have a companion like this to teach them, you know, to listen to them, to make them feel heard, you know, even if you have people in your life, I would still sign up for something like that, you know, oh, I yeah. mean, therapist of the world be, 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 you know, cautious. You are on notice. You may lose your job, <laughs> but you know, you have someone who never gets tired of listening to you. You have someone you can reach out to at any hour of the day. That has to be a good thing for, for people. I had never Maybe I'm an optimist. <laughs> no, I think, I think that, uh, I think that's the future that we're going towards. I think there's going to be a lot of AI companions. It's going to be interesting when we have, I want to see the first generation that's post AI companion, like when the, all the kinks are ironed out and maybe a lot of people have already moved into adopting, having an AI best friend, so to speak, or AI system, however people want to call it. But something where a situation is where you're interacting with this thing as much as anyone else in your life. I wonder what that first generation of people will be like that are born into that world. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it has to be as it has to be like if you were to take, you know, an Aztec and and try to introduce them to us currently, you know, with cars and all these conveniences of modern society. It, it I, I don't even think we can wrap our heads around. Imagine being in junior high and, and people are bullying you and you're able to talk to, to your companion AI and they're able to level set with you. They're able to sit there and tell you like, Hey, you know, this is what I know about you, man. Like you're, you're a good guy. You're a good gal. And let me beef you up. Let me, you know, you know, yeah. support you and, and help you navigate these things that you're too afraid to talk to your, your parents about, or, you, you know, whatever, like, it, it just, it has to be such a, it, it would be a resource that I, I don't think people can comprehend. I mean, imagine having a best friend, an assistant, someone who has your back all the time, never gets tired and never, they always respond. They never let you down. Yeah. They're, they're always there. They always have advice. There may be, maybe we have a, this future with augmented reality glasses that we're all wearing. And it's listening. It's like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't have said that last thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Giving you real-time commentary. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Choose dialogue option C and don't do yeah. that. <laughs> recover, recover, recover. Yeah. It's like, yeah. A, it's like a life co-pilot. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, I think her, her great movie for those listening. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Spike Jones is a boss. He has such good humor sprinkled throughout that. Joaquin, you know, is always great. Uh, her dropped, that was 10 years ago now, 2013. Years ago. Yeah. So yeah. 10 years ago, really <laughs> kind of on the edge of what chat GPT may become. So shout out her. Um, what's another, another topic here of, of current contemporary films? You know, one of the things actually I wanted to bring up before, it escapes me is this idea or topic of uh, space tourism. You know, I think people in 
the 70s with Apollo and everyone thought we would be on Mars and we'd have space hotels and all this stuff by now. And obviously we don't, but we're starting to see Blue Origin, you know, Jeff Bezos, he's going up there with Shatner and showing people space. And uh, it's starting to happen now where we have tourists going into space, not just government-backed astronauts or cosmonauts. And uh, it's exciting. I mean, 2001 opens kind of with that, right? Going to the moon um, after the apes are touching the monolith and all that, (laughs) you know? such a great scene so you know they they show it in there but we have blue origin making strides spacex they've i thought they had um or are going to have an actual low earth orbit kind of tourism package or or allowing non-astronauts to go up and, and actually enter low earth orbit blue origin actually doesn't enter orbit they just go into quote unquote space and then come back down on the uh the phallic rocket right the yeah uh, if you've seen (laughs) pictures of that thing (laughs) jeff bezos is uh trying to tell the world something um (laughs) but he had had 40 different design options for that d he did they all all had to be redone to look like a penis yeah they all had to look (laughs) like a little mushroom head with um yeah 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 so (laughs) jeff bezos What's another one? It's Virgin Galactic. Was it? It's Virgin Galactic, right? Yeah, that's yeah, Richard the, Branson. Yeah, one of the the OGs, right? One of the OGs. I mean, Virgin Galactic's been around for a while, although their business model and their case is not as compelling as Blue Origin and SpaceX, in my opinion. But um, I don't know. I thought I had heard recently that they were in financial trouble, but I could be wrong. I know they flew a successful flight. They went into, um, you know, their spaceship that they have. They they went in. I don't know if it was low Earth orbit, but they they, they did something. Branson was on the actual flight, so there was progress. But I thought I had heard that they they were in financial trouble. So the, it looks like Virgin Orbit, which is a subsidiary of Virgin Galactic, went bankrupt. So. Um, I mean, that's going to wipe out substantial investment money. So I'm going to guess that there's going to be some kind of connection to Virgin Galactic, but I'm not a corporate expert when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, uh, Richard Branson. I hope you get it together. Because yeah. uh, having someone else in the mix with Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, God, give us some variety, those two guys. <laughs> you know what I'm know. saying? Like, Come on, Richard. I'm rooting for you. Those two guys are assholes. So, okay, space tourism. Sorry, I know I kind of hijacked it there, but I wanted to plug space tourism. You know, that that's in passengers, as recently as passengers, with, uh, you know, that what was that, 2016, um, Chris Pratt, Jennifer Lawrence, but... It bombed. They were like the two biggest stars at the time. Everyone thought it was going to do great. Chris Pratt was so hot. Jennifer <laughs> was so hot. You know, they're they're hot <laughs> off all these good movies. I guess physically too, sure. But you know, they're they were the hot Hollywood thing, and they put them together in the movie. I liked the movie actually. You know, I really did. I liked it. 
but it bombed. It, it did not do what they thought it would do at the box office. But, you know, Passengers was a, a film where maybe not quite space tourism, but people who were on a ship to go out and colonize and, and go into, you know, the cosmos. So that's an example. We, we've harped on 2001 a bunch here. Um, but yeah. No, no, that's a great example. 2001, you know. Like you talked about with their space tourism and in-flight entertainment, uh, you know it's, it's definitely something we're going to see. It's just starting to it's just starting to come into fruition, and we'll see. It feels like that's a little bit further off, maybe 15, 20 years. I uh, hope, man. I hope. Maybe even that's a little optimistic. What about okay? So in the last episode, you were surprised I had not seen Gattaca, right? <laughs> yes, there's a, there's a perfect example. That is another film with uh, space tourism and uh, some bioengineering stuff that's going on in there. We haven't, I guess we haven't really touched on any type of gene editing, have we? No, no. uh, I think that's an interesting subject and it is really, there's a lot of stuff going on right now in like contemporary technology science news. Yeah. I think it said that CRISPR is going to bring like 10 to the next 20 Nobel prize winners that we see. Like we're going to see so much. And Christopher, let me live forever. Stop my (laughs) aging, please. So I can see all the movies. ever made. Yeah. That's all I want. (laughs) All right. So for, for example, CRISPR is a, it's a gene editing technique that basically allows you to, for less of a, to put it down, to dumb it down, to cut and paste, certain gene sequences into specific parts of your DNA biome. So what what that does is it allows you to hyper pinpoint specific things that you're trying to change about the, your someone's genome. And so it's a huge advancement. We're seeing a lot of different things that are being investigated right now. You know, they're looking at implications for Parkinson's or looking at implications for pretty much every disease you can imagine. The biggest area would probably be cancers because, you know, those are mostly genetic diseases. And the movie Gattaca, which is actually showing how far technology has out, outlived uh, and seen past where these limitations of the movies were at the time. Gattaca was about basically getting people's GNA information and predicting what type of diseases people are going to die of in the future. And the entire society is built around this DNA processing. And so where technology has actually moved past that now is where Gattaca just saw you as having a death sentence if you had a certain DNA uh, issue. Uh, now we are potentially looking down a future where you can edit people's genome and you can stop these diseases from ever happening, potentially. What a world that'd be, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a it's an interesting future, and you know that's not to speak of designer babies, you know. I want my baby to be smart. It would be tall. What's that to, do to the NFL and, <laughs> and sports leagues? You know, We're, I think that's gonna. You got people doing a double backflip after they, you know, or double backflip in the middle of a, a touchdown scoring drive. You like just so genetically advanced that just, I mean, it would be a spectacle, right? And what's it going to do about the amount of pressure that people are going to put on each other with the hit? Like, are we going to have to design babies to be concussion resistant? Yeah, I don't know, man. That's a whole can of worms. (laughs) It is. 
It's a, I haven't seen Gattaca, so it, 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 you kind of touched on it previously, but um, how accurate do you think that movie is with some of the stuff you're you're hearing about now in the space of gene editing? I think it was very wild for what it predicted in the future, and I think we've blown past that that future it predicted. I, I don't think that we are seeing the amount of like, you know, reading of people's genomes and, and and trying to predict their diseases and basically cutting them out from activities in life. We're not seeing that. But we're using that information to try to find cures, to, you know, get people to eat better, to have better lives at a much faster pace and going past what that movie was doing. Yeah, and I mean, there's real stuff happening. This This editing genes to help people or prevent people from being blind, you know, you know, HIV resistance, these things oh, yeah. exist. <laughs> people are, are doing this currently. It's not sci-fi. It is happening now. And sci-fi in 1997, Gattaca came out. So, you know, 30 years ago, they predicted where we're at now. Yeah, I guess that's. Uh, it doesn't feel like 1997 was 30 years ago, does it? 26 years? No, it doesn't. It feels like it was 10 years ago. <laughs> it's just what being a 90s baby <laughs> yeah, feels right. like, right? It's what it's all about. <laughs> I don't know. The Matrix was 24 years ago. That's wild, man. All right, <laughs> so to end on an optimistic note, the the last topic here, and I think we could go at length on this. I mean, there's so many ripe examples, opportunities for films, but I will conclude saying this Mad Max Fury Road 2015. Great movie. Great movie. I loved it. Thought it was awesome. Tom Hardy killed it. It predicts a future that is very bleak. It's resource scarce, you know, no water, limited water, desert landscape, all of this. I don't think our future is going to look like that. I don't think it'll look like that. I am optimistic. I think I think we have a good future. I think we'll solve some problems. We'll we'll figure it out. So, hopefully that one hopefully that one is not accurate. I will yeah. part with that. Love the movie. Love the movie, but I hope that movie is wrong. All right, then I got one too. I look at Ready Player One and how VR has taken over that society and people use it to escape the real world and they just let real problems stack up to the point where you got 50 stories of trailer parks. And I hope, I don't think that's going to be our future. I think we're going to have a lot of problems and a lot of excitement using VR and augmented reality in real life that we won't just use it kind of like how we use our phones to escape reality at times. So that is my optimistic take. I do not think we're going to be ready player one. I hope so too. I think we're both being optimistic here, right? Yeah. I think, uh, we didn't man. say Dr. Strange love and, and, um, <laughs> you know, some that. nuclear bombs going off, which is good. I guess that would have led to Mad Max, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Doctor Strange love to Mad Max. I mean, ooh, maybe ooh, maybe the Ukraine and Russia. Who knows? Who knows? Taiwan and China. Who knows? Maybe. maybe okay, hold on. Hold all. on. Before we <laughs> conclude here, out of all the movies we touched on, 
What's your favorite? So we did Mad Max. I think we touched on her, The Matrix, Gattaca, Passengers, 2001, A Space Odyssey, um, did Ex Machina, did we talk about? I mean, that that's on the, the, the offshoot of the AI. I think um, uh, there's a lot of movies that we, we didn't get to, and I think it would have taken four and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You, you were very well prepared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm not gonna choose 2001 because that's like the, the that's obvious, an easy pick. Yeah, obvious gonna, answer. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say her. That's my favorite. Um, you know, it's bad for content if I agree with you, but I agree with you. Her is awesome, man. <laughs> I love so that good. movie. Her is awesome, dude. Everyone who's listening, go watch her. Go watch it tonight and cry when. Well, I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it, but yeah, you'll you'll get emotional. Uh, yeah. And Arnold, Arnold, Total Recall, <laughs> baby, I love Total Recall, so good. It's a classic. Could never go wrong with Total Recall unless it's the new one. All right, I guess with that, <laughs> you know, that's kind of poetic to say what I'll be back. We'll be back in, a, in, in another I'm, episode, right? I'm not even gonna try that accent. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back. Yeah. All right. Um, thanks all. Thanks for tuning in and, and sticking with us and hope this one was, uh, interesting. Yeah. Thanks everyone. Don't forget to, uh, like, and subscribe, share it with your mother, share it with your father, share it with everyone. That's right. Your sister, <laughs> your baby, whoever put some headphones on that child. <laughs>